Hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. It is currently Saturday morning and I am sitting here alone once again. I didn't think I was going to be alone this morning. There was somebody who I've been talking to in the dreaded talking phase with that was supposed to come over last night. Never came. Uh, Instead... Well, I'll get to it. I'm down bad right now, you guys. I'm really down bad. And really the overarching question of this whole situation, which is many situations crowded together, is when the fuck will I learn to stop trusting men? Like, I don't want to stop trusting men. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be jaded. I don't want to be one of those women that leans on the oversimplified idea that like all men are terrible because that's not like as fun as that is to kick that idea around on the internet that's not we all know that like that's not exactly it and that's not really an interesting nuanced opinion to have obviously there's like for the most part I hope that every woman has had like some great man in her life whether or not it was a boyfriend it doesn't have to be a boyfriend just somebody like not all men are terrible that's not true but a lot of men like what the fuck is going on I don't know so let me backtrack I went back to work this week because cumulatively two of my exes owe me four thousand dollars I know I sound like a fucking idiot that I would even allow myself to be in this position I've talked about the first one once he owes me two thousand dollars because he I gave it to him and he said he was going to turn it into like 20,000 or 50,000 in crypto. And I still haven't seen a penny of that back. That was a year ago. Sometimes he'll DM me saying, oh, I'm about to send you your money. And then it just never comes. So I don't know what the fuck is going on there. It's also 2022. There's like a million ways to send money now. And the only way he wanted to send it to me was in a shoebox mailed to me from another fucking country. That's not... That is not legal, first of all, and that's not how you send money. Like, come on, what what are we doing? So apparently it was my fault that I didn't want to accept the shoebox full of cash that was being shipped internationally, like that would ever make it to me. But anyway, this man owes me $2,000, and I'm not sweating that much over the $2,000, okay? I have $2,000, I'm fine. But also, I don't like it when people... I don't like it when people say they're going to do something and then they don't do it. I don't like it when men owe me money. It just makes me feel gross. And then what reminded me of this situation, which honestly I had mostly suppressed. I had mostly tried to move on and accept that I wasn't getting that money back. What reminded me of this situation was that once again, I found myself in a similar situation. Recently, I went out and I bought a new computer. And there was a guy who I've been who I had been seeing for like I'll say three months pretty much. Yeah, about three months now. I guess it's April, so that would be four, but we're not really talking anymore. So three months. We had been talking, we had been dating. He called me his girlfriend, all that. He had a lot of money. If he ever listens to this, he'll fucking hate me, but whatever. He probably already hates me, so who cares? Uh he had a lot of money. And to a lot of his other girlfriends who I've spoken about before, you know, in the last episode, he would buy a lot of nice things for. Of course, he bought me nice things too. But the convenient thing about dating somebody 
who has money is that especially when it's not like a sugar daddy relationship per se it's like more of a genuine it's more of a genuine thing and you actually develop a a real relationship with them to most extents this didn't this wasn't a sugar daddy a sugar daddy thing you can sometimes ask them because they have money like millions of dollars and you don't have millions of dollars if they can help you out with something like it's the natural tell me if I'm crazy but I feel like it's the natural order of things it's the natural masculine thing to do to offer to help somebody that you're seeing when you have a lot of when you have a lot and they don't have that much so I was going to buy a new computer and I called him and I said I'm going to buy a new computer do you think you could help me he said yeah of course no problem like I'll pay for half of it is that okay Will that help? And I didn't want to be greedy. I didn't want to be like, oh, please pay for the whole thing. Like, whatever. He had also just done a lot for me, I feel like, that week. So I was like, yeah, half, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, but he was like, but I'm at I'm at the office and you don't have the card. Because he would give me his credit cards. And I was like, you don't have the card. So, like, do you want to come here and, and like, get it? Or how do you want to do this? Because I can't buy it right now. I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just put it on my card. Just send me the money. Again. It's 2022. Lots of ways to send money. I'm talking Cash App, Zelle, PayPal. Like, I don't know. There's so many ways. Plus, we're both in the same city. Just you, you can literally just give me cash also. That's fine. And he had paid me back for things before. So I went and I bought the computer. I put it on my card. It was like $2,400 maybe. I guess it's not a cumulative 4,000 then. It's about 3,000 and something. But it's been weeks. It's been weeks. And I never got that money back. I haven't gotten it. And I actually was kind of depending on that. I was kind of depending on it. And I guess I should stop trusting that men will pay me back. I guess I should stop trusting... I should just stop giving men money or giving them the benefit of the doubt because I really feel like men are... I'm scared to say this because I don't even really want to speak this into existence, but they're becoming a bit of a liability instead of an asset. And I say that also because last night I'm in the dreaded new talking stage of somebody seeing somebody else I met this guy at the club I know first red flag and do you know when you meet someone and there's like you're just automatically drawn to them it's almost like and maybe this is my own fault because I project my fantasies onto people I know I do that but sometimes you meet somebody and it's like there's an instant sense of familiarity there's like some instant connection connection is a real thing like this is I'm not crazy there's just something about them where you're like I want to know more about this person you can't really pinpoint what it is it's just something about them so that was kind of like this situation and I wasn't it was my birthday weekend I wasn't expecting to I was out with my girls like I was really fucking tired from the the last two nights of going out we were at some random club like I don't look for guys at the club like ew but anyway it just sort of happened and uh we followed each other on Instagram whatever well I actually followed him first I actually asked my friends what his Instagram was 
and then followed him, which is, I should, like, automatically, I feel like I'm now chasing him and I'm, I'm fucking the whole dynamic up. Like, already now I'm down bad. I don't even want to tell you like after the following the whole interaction but whatever he eventually followed me back and we started talking and then we went out a couple times like out to the club out out not just out for dinner like we didn't go for dinner we he took me to the club um so not the most romantic situation obviously but we had a lot of fun and it still felt like there was this kind of intense connection like I was just drawn to this person And I always pride myself on like not telling people where I live at because unfortunately it's hard to find people you can trust. And the more you have to lose, the less you should tell people where you live. Like I don't tell almost anyone where I stay at. It's just a safety thing. It's just gives me more of a sense of security because as much as I want to trust people like time and time again it's proven that I shouldn't trust them and yet something in my dumbass mind told me like invite this man over invite this man over so after the first two times that we hung out I invited him over yes I know breaking pretty much all of the rules that were taught in like modern dating advice which is you know, get him to take you out, go for dinner, do not fuck him right away. First of all, it was too late to not fuck him right away. We literally fucked like the first night. So I also side note, I'm sorry if this is all over the place. Just please come with me here. I want to believe this is not my theory. A friend of mine has told me this theory and he's a man. So maybe he is saying this to trick women into wanting to believe it but I want to believe sometimes that the relationships where you fuck the first night are just as valid and valuable and sometimes last longer than the relationships where you withhold sex or you take it slow and let me tell you why first of all pussy is everywhere like Sex is free. Sex is not something that is hard to find for most people. Even for people that it is hard to find, you can still find sex. Like, sex, pussy is fucking everywhere. So withholding it out of some moral high ground feels, well, occasionally it does feel right. Like, occasionally if you don't know what your vibe is with somebody and maybe you just want to test the waters and see you know how much they actually fuck with you occasionally yeah like I have waited of course to sleep with somebody that I'm seeing a while or after dates even where even if we have slept together like they'll take me out and I'll just go home and not hook up with them I just don't feel like it that's fine but sometimes you meet somebody and there's just this attraction And you just figure, why don't I just go with this vibe? It feels like a good idea. Maybe not a good idea, but I want to believe that sometimes fucking the first night leads to some of the best relationships because you just get it out of the way and there's no pretense. There's no, well, 
you want to think there's no games. There's none of that. So anyway, we had already fucked. Uh, We already hooked up. We had only hung out a few times. And I let this man come over. And it was cool. It doesn't matter. That, That part isn't the interesting part. The interesting part is that last night he was supposed to come over again, which, okay, I understand another red flag. Why is he coming over back to back? Why are we not going out? Why am I not going to his place? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going with it, okay? I still am into this person. I'm still into this guy. I I hope that we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it was just off to a rough start. We'll see. But anyway, last night he's supposed to come over. I rush home. I am working out. Then I go to Trader Joe's. I get like $200 worth of groceries because fuck it. I just, I'm already there. And every time I go to Trader Joe's, like there's something about getting there, like the parking, just the whole situation. It's just stressful to me. So I avoid it. And every time I go, I'm just like, I'm gonna buy everything that I want. So I'm getting like shrimp and all these different types of like chicken breasts and smoked salmon and barbecue salmon and all these different, you know, everything that's good at Trader Joe's. So many things. I rush home because he is going to come over, he says, around five. Cool. Rush home, do my hair, do my makeup, transform into not being the catfish that I am in regular waking life. And eventually it's six o'clock. Eventually it's seven o'clock. Eventually I'm fucking bored. So I decide to put on an outfit that I had been kind of daydreaming about, take some pictures in my mirror, put them on Instagram because I'm bored. Turns out that was the highlight of the evening because I ordered these Waiteman tights. And if anyone here is listening from the spillover of Jada reposting me, thank you so much. But Anyway, I, I ordered these tights from Jada Chiefs, Wait a minute, Jada Wada. Um, if you're not familiar with her, she's I really I'm a fan of her. She is an entrepreneur, she's a model, she's a social media personality, she's the girl that, you know, was in all the pictures with little baby in Paris a couple weeks ago. She's little baby's baby mama, and they've been on and off for a long time. But on her own, she's just one of those girls that seems really dope like her tiktok is hilarious every time she goes live she's super down to earth and i'm very very hesitant of being a fan of you know these social media personality baby mother type of figures but when it comes to jada like i actually think she's fucking cool i would love to be her friend and it seems like not only does she understand the assignment of the role that she has like within the ecosphere of rap and social media but she's also just never afraid to like break the third or fourth wall and like make fun of herself or just step out of like being this perfect person, but comes by it very genuinely. So I'm just a fucking fan of her. Like I love everything she does. So when she dropped these new stockings as part of her clothing brand, I bought them before they sold out. I posted, I tagged her on Instagram after I posted the picture and she reposted it, which was so dope. So that was the one good thing that came from the night. But I'm doing all this because I'm bored and I'm waiting for this man to come over. Eventually at like eight o'clock, he texts me. He's like, I'm so sorry, baby. I fell asleep. Um, I'm getting ready now. So I'm like, okay, that's okay. No worries. Like he was out late the night before. 
cool. It's fine. It's fine. It's early days. I'm not about to be a crazy bitch. It's early. Next, he texts me, I'm, I have to stop and get some food. I'm starving. Did you cook? Mind you, I had cooked myself some food. I just made like some chicken breast and some salad. Um, but like I said before, I went to Trader Joe's earlier that day and I literally bought like $200 worth of groceries and I really want him to come over. So this is where I first went wrong. I said, yeah, I made some like chicken and pasta. There's a lot left over. Like, just come. I went to Trader Joe's today. There's tons of food here. Number one rule, stop, 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 stop being the wifey type for the man who you literally met a week ago, okay? Claudia, okay, everybody else, stop it. Please stop. It's giving desperate, broke bitch energy. It's not giving wifey vibes. It's giving, like, you're way too thirsty for this man who hasn't even proven that he's... He's not even shit. Like, you're doing way, 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 way too much. And I knew that, but still, I was like, I don't care. I want him to come over. This is different. So I'm like, yeah, I cooked. Like, there's, like, lots here. Like, just come. I hadn't made pasta, but I had the ingredients. I hadn't even made extra chicken, but I had it in the fridge. So I start cooking a whole meal for this man, thinking he's about to come over. Please don't judge me too much. When I'm in a relationship, which I realize I am not, but when I'm seeing somebody, when I'm into someone, I like cooking for them. I'm sorry. I That's one of the things I like to do First of all, it is so much cheaper than going out to eat. Second, like there's something so nice about when the guy that you like comes home or comes over and there's like food on the stove and it's just easy and it's just another thing you don't have to think about. It's one of my love languages, I guess. I don't know. I like doing that. So I start cooking a whole meal for this man, but I don't want him to think I'm doing too much. So I'm like, yeah, it's just leftovers. It kind of is like I had already had the chicken marinated. You know, the pasta wasn't that hard to throw together. There was salad like it kind of is, but it's kind of not like I'm kind of making a whole thing for this guy. Dirtying my whole kitchen again after I had already cleaned it. But I'm like, it's cool. Like I already have the, the ingredients. So whatever. In my mind, I'm like, as long as I don't eat it after because I literally already had dinner and I don't eat a fucking second dinner right now and be a fat ass, then it's fine. I start, I cook a whole meal for this man. He texts me saying, oh my God, baby, I forgot. Like tonight we're, ha- we're doing the pre-drink thing. I'm like, what fucking pre-drink thing? He's like, when we all go for dinner and get drinks before we go out to the club. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, first of all, who the fuck is we? Second, Thank you for the invite. You didn't even invite me. And third, like, damn, I'm going out so sad right now. I just cooked a whole meal for somebody that is uh, now apparently not even coming over. And he's like, okay, well, I can come. I'll just, like, I can stay the night, though, if that's okay. Like, I'll just come after. I pretty much just told him, don't come if you're going to come super late. And he said, okay. And just that I just felt disrespected because it is disrespectful to bail on someone so last minute. So I spent the night watching his Instagram stories of his friends doing body shots off of girls while I had made like a whole blackened chicken Alfredo pasta and salad that I had to uh, put back in the fridge. 
that's how my night went. So I am down, I'm down tremendously right now. And I need to stop running away with the fantasy of what things could be so quickly. I really hope he doesn't listen to this because that is a very embarrassing story. I'm not proud. I'm not proud, y'all. But I'm telling you as a word of advice and a word of warning. We all know that we can't change people, but I really need to internalize that and accept that I cannot change people. I think we should stop expecting the best from people. We should stop expecting people to do us like we would do them. Because for me, if I'm if I say I'm going to do something, most of the time, nine out of ten times at least, I will fucking do it. Or I will give you fair warning in advance as to why I can't do it. But I think part of the reason why I projected so much weight onto this, like, really minuscule encounter, like, in five years, I don't know if I'm still gonna know this man, like, I barely know, like, come on, it's been a couple weeks, I don't know this guy that well. So one of the reasons I think why I projected so much importance onto it is because, and I will get into this in a little while, I have not been working as much as I should. I've been in this sort of lull ever since my birthday of accepting the fact that I am now in a new decade of my life and reflecting on my 20s. And I think there's this perceived stereotype that women now waste their 20s chasing like celebrities and fleeting fame and there's a lot of girls there's a lot of social media stars that have personified that like I don't know I just watched a podcast with Selena Powell so she's in my head but those girls you know that were in a sense subconsciously taught that being with somebody that's lit is the ticket out of whatever situation that we're in, where it's like, if you can just get a rapper or a ball player or somebody like that high value man to wife you, then you'll be good. But the problem is, is that 98% of women who think that never, never make it there. You never become the ball player's wife or the rapper. You never become India. And so while we are off chasing these things, I want to say I don't think it's fully our fault because I've spent also, I spent also a lot of time in my 20s chasing regular dudes, but they were also emotionally unavailable. So when you can't have the relationship with someone who is on your level, Because they're also off chasing some perceived idea of success or clout or a party lifestyle that just doesn't align with being in a relationship. When you spend your time chasing those guys and you don't get them, then of course, of course, you're going to turn to the alternative, which is like, well, I might as well chase somebody who's lit. And of course, It doesn't really take that much to, like, rappers will fuck anybody, I think. For the most part, if you're remotely pretty, you can get somebody who's famous to fuck with you. It's really, really not that hard. They will, if they don't fuck with you in the sense of being 
somebody who's around all the time, they will probably at least fuck you. Sorry to say. But as we spend our 20s navigating this chase of like what is exactly that we want, meanwhile, acting like we're not the ones that are chasing because men are the ones who are supposed to be doing the chasing. So half sitting back looking pretty, but half chasing these men. When we're aging, like women were disposed of as we age. And as I'm getting older now, I keep looking around and thinking like, okay, where the fuck is he? I don't want to be completely disposed of. And don't get it fucked up. Like, I look better than I've ever looked. Truly. I don't know how. I've been. T- maybe I take better care of myself now. Maybe I just know how to take care of myself. I honestly look hotter than I, for the most part, have ever looked. But that doesn't change the fact that as you age as a woman, you are disposed of. And at a certain point, there will come a day where you will be disposed of entirely. And it's like this ticking clock in your mind of, okay, what do I do next? What do I chase now? How do I approach this situation, this man that I just met that I like? I'm not sure. But in this week of projecting all this stuff onto this one dude and god please let him not listen to this but whatever week i have lived over my means uh which is not the sexy you know the sexy lifestyle topic that i would like to touch on it's definitely not the sexy boss bitch energy that i was giving a few episodes ago when i was saying like i bought my house i lost weight this that no we're not there anymore we have once again regressed in a new state which is the fuck i need to make money what the fuck am i gonna do how do i actually monetize my life in a way that is more successful than i have already because not only do you have more expenses once you start I guess, leveling up or whatever. But also I've realized, and this goes back to the subject of lifestyle creep that I've talked about before, which is like, as soon as you start making money, you want to make more, you want different things, you want newer bags, you want more designer, you want a new car, all that shit. What I have realized, and I hope I don't come across as like some fake spiritual bitch, because I'm really not that spiritual. I I am to some extent, but I find that spirituality is something that's very corny to talk about. It doesn't really translate well in most settings in life, in most conversations. It sounds a little bit preachy unless you really are that person. And I I know that I'm not like I'm I know my place (laughs) in this whole thing. Um, So I'm not about I'm not out here trying to give people spiritual advice, but in the last week or so since I turned 30 I have felt a little bit of like a kind of life hangover and I think most of that is just coming from the fear of stepping out of my comfort zone and starting to do YouTube and pushing this podcast to the next level and I start thinking like why did I even fucking start this podcast why am I doing this like this is just so embarrassing. Like, this is just a mistake. But I mean, it's too late. And deep down, I know it's not a mistake. But I think those are the thoughts that you have when you're trying to talk yourself out of something. And so in this stasis of 
trying to convince myself to step my game up, trying to figure out how to use the equipment, figuring out how to book the guests without being completely rejected by the people I want to talk to, all of that stuff in this kind of no man's land. I have done, I'm not going to lie to you, very little. The last week, I could have gone to the club, I could have worked, didn't want to, uh, didn't feel like it was worth it. Every time I go to the club, it's like a fucking spiritual death. Not a spiritual death, let me not be so dramatic, but in a sense it is. It really takes a lot out of you, and I just didn't feel like it was worth it, to be honest. So not working in that context, but also not working in the context of I really could have been grinding with the podcast room and setting all that stuff up. And I just wasn't really doing it. Like every day I would go do yoga. I would go for a sauna. I would maybe go to the grocery store. I might end up at the mall. Like I was doing bullshit. I was really doing very little. And there's a lull that comes from the spaces between when you're doing a lot and you start to get used to being able to buy yourself nice things like a new car or a new designer bag or even a new house or whatever. Because every time you buy one of those things that you want, you're, everything in your brain just lights up and you're like, you finally, you bump into the person that you thought you would be when you got the thing. And it's very rewarding. You're like, yes, I got the thing. We're here. Let me just set everything up. I I am that person that I envisioned I would be when I had the thing. I'm that bitch now. But the main problem is that those highs are unsustainable. And whether it's in a day, an hour, a couple weeks, that high will start to wear off. But now you're used to that, that higher high that you got from that nicer thing that you bought the last time. And so to recreate that feeling, you need to continue to buy something else, whether it's a bag or some jewelry or whatever the fuck it is. And so for me, I went out and bought a new Chanel bag this weekend. Stupid. I didn't need to do that. I didn't really, shouldn't have done that. That was my emergency money for the most part. I really should not have done that. But obviously I did it. And the main obstacle that you keep running into, that I keep running into, is that no matter what nice thing you're able to buy for yourself and however the high, however high you can get off of that nice thing, eventually you keep running into yourself. Eventually the old version of you comes back poking around. And something I've started to understand, and I think this is a lifestyle that stripping has enabled for me is that when you live your life looking to buy nice things, when you live your life on a mission to accumulate wealth, accumulate nice things, accumulate all of the luxuries that you want, that you thought you wanted, what you're essentially doing, and this is a teaching from Ramdas, who's like a spiritual leader, great thinker, great speaker, um, who I'm not going to lie. There was a podcast I used to listen to back in the day 
let's make it weird with Pete Holmes or something like that. I forget what it was called exactly. He, Pete Holmes is a comedian. He's still going. He's still doing his podcast. I don't listen to it as much anymore. But Pete Holmes used to always talk about Ram Dass, and that's when I first became familiar with his teachings, but in a very passive, arm's-length way of just like, all right, cool, some guy is saying, like, consume less and, like, wake up or some shit. You know, like, you kind of just are aware of it, but you don't care. And then this past week, as I have been mindlessly scrolling social media, mainly TikTok, I once again bumped into some pages that just repost Ram Dass quotes, pretty much. Which is, I'm sure, how Ramdas envisioned his teachings would be consumed through the medium of TikTok between viral social media dances of 15-year-olds shaking their asses. I'm sure that's exactly what he wanted. So I'm very proud to have relearned his teachings from that app. But I kind of started scrolling through these pages that had reposted a lot of his quotes. And he talks a lot about how when you live your life in the pursuit of nice things. What you are essentially doing is you're trying to squish those moments of highs together closer and closer so that eventually if you get them close enough, you might not notice the space between them. Like a lot of us are very good at coming up, coming up in the sense of buying the thing that we wanted, you know, achieving whatever it is that we want. But we're not so great at coming down and everybody has to come down eventually from whatever the accomplishment was. And so when you live your life in this state, which we all do, we're all conditioned to be in this state of achievement and wanting whatever it is that we want. We're conditioned to be in this state of wanting. When you live your life in this state, you are programmed to want more and more and more and more because you're trying to just squish the moments together so you never have to come down. And that's fine. I don't want to come down either. I really don't. My bank account forces me to come down sometimes. And I wonder in these weeks where I don't do that much, this is like the first week, honestly, where I really have not done that much. I've just kind of sat with myself. I've been forced to reflect on what I'm doing, where I'm at, have the same 12 thoughts over and over again, tried to make my mind like a blank white wall unsuccessfully, and even considered things like, what if this just was my life and I just sort of coasted in this space and became more of an airhead and just didn't do that much? Would it be that bad? But I think a lot of people have been going through a similar phase I would like to think of coming off of a roller coaster of extreme productivity like there's a lot of people after COVID who realized they liked working from home or realized that they liked having a more flexible schedule realized that they didn't want to work for anybody else and quit their jobs it's literally being called the great resignation a lot of people my age millennials people in their late 20s, early 30s, who were told when they were growing up to get a good job, to build a sustainable, productive life for themselves that they could then introduce a family into, I think have, for lack of a better term, woken up and realized that that productivity is productivity only in the most topical sense 
often it's like you're running on a treadmill of being able to afford the life that you've built, but you're not necessarily getting anywhere new. Like, who are you really being productive for? Is it the company? Is it some higher up? Is it the bigger idea of corporate America? Is it, what is it? Is it, it's you to some extent because your job is allowing you to keep a roof over your head, of course, but what is the productivity really for? And don't get me wrong, I like hustling. I love the fucking hustle. I think the hustle is one of the only things in life that I actually enjoy. Not hustle culture, not this idea of being a boss bitch for the sake of it and all these empty promises of what will happen once you get up and you hustle and you get a degree and you do this and not really that. That's not what I love. But I love the hustle. When you're doing something that you love, that's one of the only truly fulfilling things in life, I think. But I think it's also important that we get real with ourselves and start to ask, what does it really mean to be productive? Can productivity also mean resting? Can it mean having a couple weeks where you don't really do that much? Is that even what we should be working towards? Where you actually can afford to chill the fuck out for a couple weeks. But if that is what we should be working towards, why do I feel so lame and like a loser when I'm not doing anything? There's like a decrease in value that I feel in myself when I work less. Which is weird because my work is at a strip club and I should feel a more decrease in value there when men are literally looking at me like a sex object, like not even a fucking person. I should feel like I'm my value is decreasing when I'm there. And yet, inevitably, I feel Like, my value is decreasing when somebody asks me how my day was, and I'm like, well, you know, it was cool. I went for a sauna, went for a walk, just chilled. Like, I feel like a fucking loser when I'm saying that that's what my day was. It feels better to say, oh, I went to work, I went to the club, I did that, this, that, I made $2,000, whoop-de-whoop, whatever. I did that. That feels better. And the last time that I went through a similar phase in my life was about a year and a half ago when I was in on the West Coast. I was in Vancouver and it was around the holidays. It was like Christmas time. I had come home to be with my mom. There just wasn't a lot going on. It was still in the middle of the pandemic. I had still lost pretty much all of my jobs. I was like trading stocks. L, embarrassing. Tomato, tomato. Uh, Lost a lot of money. Made some. But I just wasn't doing that much every day. All I would really do was like make smoothies and go for walks on the beach and like live my best middle-aged suburban life with my mom. But in hindsight, I'm very grateful for that period in my life because it prepared me for what would become a very, very hectic, very chaotic, very busy time where I went back to New York and started working for that label again. Like that's when all that shit happened that I talked about earlier on, eventually ended up in Atlanta, became very busy, started working at the club, started all of that. That's when my life changed right after that period of extreme pause, of extreme quietness. 
And honestly, if I hadn't had that period of, of just almost subconsciously preparing for what was next, like just taking some fucking space, I don't know if I would have been able to handle everything that came at me after. I don't know. So usually there's a reason that life puts you in a time of just chilling the fuck out. I like to think that it's because something bigger is coming. But at the same time, you can't just sit on your couch all day expecting something bigger to come to you, obviously. So there has to be there has to be a balance. But because we talk so much about making money and working and hustling. I just wanted to ask this question of what productivity really is. I don't have an answer. I really don't. But I would like more people to entertain the idea that resting can also be productive to some extent. I'm not trying to justify my week of being a lazy piece of shit. But I do think that there is some value in not working. And when you take that time to live in the low, to live in the lull of, okay, I'm not going to buy anything new and nice for myself. I'm not going to try and crowd the highs together. I'm not going to try and live my life every day trying to achieve some new material goal like I'm not gonna every day be like okay I have to make two thousand dollars so I can go buy the bus down watch so I can go do this that I have to do it Um, when you when you stop for a second and you're like no I don't want to do that right now I just want to chill I just want to think about how I got here and what I really can do next to actually make me happy and not continue on this path of bumping into the person I want to be and then being extremely let down and low again when you take some time to just think about it, I think there's, I think there is value in that. So how the fuck do we get off this roller coaster? How am I, how are we going to be hot and happy today? How do we abandon the trauma of yesterday and the stress and anxiety of preparing for tomorrow, all while living carefree, living a good life. I honestly have no fucking idea, but I did come across something that I thought was interesting this week, and that is a podcast called The Bimbo Manifesto Podcast. It's by this girl who is big on TikTok. That's how I heard of her. Um, Her name is Fifi. Her TikTok is G's Get Lonely Too. And her whole thesis, and I'm not going to pick this apart too much because there is some value in this. So maybe we can all enter this next week with this in mind. There is, as she says, an infinite amount of value in not being stupid, but allowing others to think you're stupid. AKA, there is an infinite storage of value in being a bimbo. Think Kim K. Think Paris Hilton. Think, I don't know, fuck. I think she said Marilyn Monroe. These people are not stupid, but 
they allow people to think that they are. And I think maybe more importantly than that, they seem to have almost no problem just being surface level. Like I said before, when I was trying to just make my mind a blank white wall that I was stressing about nothing, that I was thinking about nothing, sometimes maybe it's okay to just be surface level. As Fiona says in the podcast, 2022 is the year of no thoughts, just vibes. 2022 is the year to release yourself from the shackles of self-awareness. Of course, when you're a super hot woman, there's also a preconceived notion that you are going to be dumb, I think, which is something that isn't really addressed in, in her podcast. And of course, actually being dumb in this world of I mean, there's just so much going on every day. Of course, actually being dumb is going to hinder your fucking life. It's not a good way to go through life. Whether you're actually dumb when it comes to your finances and you don't know how to invest money, whether you're actually dumb when it comes to relationships like I am and you don't know how to date in a healthy way, whether you're actually dumb in whatever context, don't be dumb, please. But I think it's funny that there's this girl out there who is telling people to just be a bimbo, building a huge platform off of it, and seems happy. There has to be a lesson there, right? Like, I struggle with the idea that we should just completely eliminate all critical thought. And that's one of the things that I hate the most about social media these days like I used to be a food writer I know again this is all over the place but please just come with me for one for three more seconds I used to be a food writer and that involved every week writing two long-form stories about whatever restaurant or health trend or food history thing or whatever the assignment was for the week, it involved a lot of research. It involved a lot of writing. It involved a lot of critical thinking. And it was great. And thankfully, in those days, I had people that were doing a similar job to me to look up to. Like one of my favorite food writers of all time was Jonathan Gold, who wrote for the LA Times. And he was just, he passed away unexpectedly, tragically, a couple of years ago or a few years ago. But before his passing, he was known to be that guy that would, you know, go to the taco truck, go to the smaller, lesser known restaurant and put it on the map and not necessarily neglect the bigger restaurants, but actually had like a, a nuanced interesting original opinion about food and he's just somebody that seemed like he loved LA he loved his city he had no pretensions regardless of where he went and it was so like refreshing to read and he was just an amazing writer and not to give food too much weight but there's something like we all obviously have to eat every day and food writing can seem so pretentious and so annoying But when you're able to take something like a sandwich or something like that and use it as a gateway to talk about 
so many more parts of life to talk about culture, to talk about fucking economics, to talk about history, to talk about the stories of the people, like to talk about, there's so many things you can do with it. And he would do that. Food was really just a vehicle for him to talk about fucking life. And the same with, you know, Anthony Bourdain, who was another huge, huge inspiration to me. People like that were who I grew up looking up to and who I wanted to become as a food writer. I don't know why I'm getting so sad all of a sudden, but as I continued on that path and I feel like, you know, there were even moments where, oh my God, why am I crying? (laughs) But there were even moments where like people would write about people would put me in my name in the same sentence as those people. And that was so, that was like the biggest compliment. That was the biggest compliment. I don't know why this is making me so sad. (laughs) It's just fucking food. It's just a sandwich. But going from that to where we're at now, and I'm just using food writing as an example. I'm just using the world of food as an example to where we're at now, which is like TikTok videos of people just eating and making sound effects that get 10 million likes. I feel like we've lost something. Like, not to hate on her. She is great at what she does, and she's built a huge a huge following off of it. But You guys know, like, Emily Mariko or whatever. She has a really, really big TikTok where she just kind of makes different food, doesn't doesn't say too much, um, just eats at different restaurants and cooks. Her famous dish is, like, this salmon rice bowl that went viral. But all of her videos, like, there's no critical thought. There's no context. There's no... There's nothing. It's just, like, here is a yummy plate of food. I'm eating it. Mm, That's it. 10 million likes. To go from what I was raised on, which was like this deeply interesting, complicated thing to untangle when it came to food media to now this mindless, brainless, stream of videos of just people making yum sound effects eating food it's like I feel like we've lost something but it also seems like the people making those mindless videos are happier in a sense and so while I don't I don't know if this really makes even any sense I don't (laughs) obviously I I don't want to be an actual bimbo but I think that there is some value in having, in allowing yourself to seem publicly like you are. I think it's fucking funny when you say 2022 is the year of no thoughts, just vibes. Maybe we've had enough thoughts at this point. We're good. (laughs) So yeah, I can't speak for the rest of 2022, but going into this next week... Maybe it's time to adopt some shred of what 
Fiona, G's Get Lonely too. the Bimbo Manifesto podcast is saying, just release yourself from the shackles of self-awareness. Allow yourself to be a little bit of an airhead. It's fine. Life is hard enough. 